Yeah, so uh, today is episode number four, and we are joined today by someone I have heard countless times, but never actually seen. It is the voice of sim racing, as I like to call him, Chaz Draycott. Hello, mate. Um, I'm I'm sorry you have to see me today. Oh. <laughs> it's it's norm- normally the point that puts people off. They they enjoy listening to me, but when they have to see me, that's when they run away. Don't worry. We're we're only audio in the podcast world, so none that's of our listeners good. get to see. You, oh, so. that's right. Not we, 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 We've all got faces for radio. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I I mean, not not on your the uh, the part of you two. It's uh, yeah. oh well, you're you're very kind. Oh, thank you. <laughs> flattery. You're an, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> you're an you're an accomplished liar. Well done. Yes. Uh, so, but the, the sad thing is, no one can see your lovely Lecoq Sportif Renault branded yeah. polo, which which I was given by Renault themselves. It's it's been a bit mad, really, because I I got the Renault Clio Cup Europe gig this year, yeah, and I, I turned up there, and they were just like, right, here's this, here's this, here's this. They just give you loads of stuff, and I was just like, this is great, because they said to me I'm, I'm doing it sort of sharing duties with david addison who does the bccc on yeah, yeah. itv4 i listened to and, him um, yesterday was it yes. yesterday no sunday yeah when, we, uh, when, um, when your when your mate looked like he was gonna lose it and he won it indeed yes yeah. indeed just just about but yeah it was uh I, I was worried about all of that it was a very tense weekend uh. but um i got told that you know Renault will give you shirts for when you're in the paddock and stuff you know so you, you blend in and I was thinking, oh, knowing, knowing my look, it's going to be... You know, there was always that kid in school who wore, like, a smart white shirt, <laughs> but it was about five sizes too big for him, and it had short sleeves, and they were, like, twice the width of his arms, and it just looked naff. You know, about and a briefcase wanker. Oh, yeah, properly. And I just thought, I'm going to turn up, and they're going to give me these two bed sheets with a Renault logo on, aren't they, that I'm going to have to walk <laughs> around the paddock in looking like... Oh God, yeah. You know when when you see Preston Lacey on Jackass and he's got these massive shirts on with short sleeves. I was thinking I'm going to look like that walking around, but thankfully they gave me the nice ones. And they've even got a little pocket on me uh, on me tit. On your nipple. That, that I've nice. still got my lunch vouchers in from Nagaro actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. It's, I guess it's better to be too big than too small. Like, mm. could you imagine oh, if yeah. it was like kid size and you like you? Your guts hanging out. And oh god, yeah, yeah. Do that that proper dad thing where the bottom of your guts just below the shirt, and everyone's yeah. gonna look at it except you. That's pretty much what happened when I bought my Red Bull top. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? Why are there sizes? I was like, I'll go XL just to be safe. Nope, <laughs> European oh, <God>. sizing. <laughs> oh no, no. That, well, that's what I was hoping not to get stung by because me and David are a similar size, which I, I'd probably he he'd probably hate to admit. But because um, I've I'm awful when it comes to eating and stuff, and you know he's always doing runs and everything else. But um, I, I I did worry, so I went stuff it. I'll I'll go for a, an extra large just in case. And I was like, thank God I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just about fits. Nice, but it does look look the best, doesn't it? Yeah, so. they're all right actually. They're quite well made as well, and it's got a little zip on it and everything. All the logos are embroidered, so they're not just like ironed on like it's forty quid. It's it's like they're like ninety five quid t shirts apparently. Because I said. Could have another one, and they went. You're gonna have to pay for that if you want another one. So they gave me two, but I just thought, you know, it'd be nice to get the missus one as well. But, it's got to be one of the um, bonuses to doing what you do, having loads of free stuff. I, I must admit, I've got more T-shirts with more branding on than I know what to do with. In all honesty, because I got given a Sports 2000 T-shirt for my birthday last year by the Championship. When I went to the Nurburgring, they've given me this wonderful jacket that I wear almost daily now, just because it actually got me into brand Hatch on the weekend. Because we, we returned on the Sunday, because I was commentating on both days, one race per day. And we got to the gate on the Sunday, and I had, um, I've had i got a binder in my me, in me bag with like all the tickets and everything printed out and all that for the weekend. And I got to the gate, and I said, uh, we're, we're, I'm the commentator for Sports 2000, and, and he just goes, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll let you in. I, I can see all the stuff on your jacket. And I was thinking, it's a Nürburgring jacket, right? <laughs> Why are you letting him, letting me in for wearing something that's got the Nurburgring on it? It's like you could that may, on that premise. If you turn up at an MSV circuit and you want to get in, just wear a circuit, wear, wear a jacket with Motel or Total written on it, and you'll get it. <laughs> oh, nice one. He was but, honest. Uh, he was, yeah. I do you know what? It's funny. Like I, it's so. If you've got the gear, I think because these guys that stand on the gate a lot of the times, they're yeah. not they're not motorsports people. They're just paid by a local security firm or whoever yeah. it is probably what's the what's is it gns or what they're called yeah, yeah. normally uh, um, g4s g4s that's the ones yeah i should know because they tried to take our jobs ah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> no but but they don't really know so if you turn up and you're 
as long as you're not there like proper fanboy with a flag if you've got like actual (laughs) genuine kit on and you just you know walk up Mm. and and you've got you know i think part of the reason you're you're doing so well and it is you've got one of those voices that's instantly recognizable um and the gift of the gab and i think if you go up and you just be like i'm this you know straight away they'll be like oh uh, uh um yeah, okay, yeah. yeah you can come in <laughs> yeah it's like it's like saying do you know who i am without saying do you know who i yeah, am <laughs> exactly. yeah exactly yeah you sound like a young murray walker like murray oh, walker's no. oh, grandson oh, you've set him off now don't it's don't too put, soon it's don't too put soon. that pressure on me don't put that pressure on me that, that. you do i'm glad you think so it's i, I like to do. think that i've got similar enthusiasm because I won't lie. I, I'm going to sound really big-headed when I say half of this, but me and the missus were watching the BTCC back on Sunday night because ITV yeah. put it up straight away, and um, we we watched it. Obviously, they they had their Murray tribute, and they were like, you know, Murray made a point of knowing the drivers and learning who was who and what was going on, rather than just turning up, seeing the car numbers and the colours, and then going home. And yeah. that's what I do. I, I love doing it. You know, I love meeting the people to it. Like commentating on sim racing is amazing. It's actually, I'd say probably more difficult than doing the real world stuff is commentating on sim racing because the cameras and the software gives you the ability to be everywhere at once which is something you can't do in the real world physically obviously so on on a lot of circuits you can only commentate on what you can see and then you have to look at a timing screen when the cars aren't in your line of sight and make a story out of that but with with the physical stuff it's it's just great going to meet people cuz i i'm i'm a i'm a proper people person i do sit there sometimes if i'm in the car driving somewhere i hate people i'm not a people person cuz every <laughs> every other person on the road is an idiot and getting it wrong and i'm getting it right i've got proper bad road rage and i judge everybody however when it comes to being in a paddock i'm just in my element and i i love meeting people and just interacting with them and it's helped me like I'm I have always believed I'm slightly on a, a spectrum of some sort with some of my behavioral traits and things yeah. that go on in my head and so on. But I, I've never had the ability to read a room and then talking as much as I do and interacting with people like that when you know, when they've been busy working on a car or something like that. It's helped me develop a way to read a room and be like, Okay, this guy wants you to stop talking now. Like come back and get him later or or like have a chat later and and it, it just helps with a lot of things, I think, being around a paddock like that. But I, I love it. I absolutely live for it. No, I think probably without realising it, Kieran's just given you the biggest compliment going, saying <laughs> saying that you're a young Murray Walker. Yeah, it's probably... yeah I, I do really appreciate that. Thank you. No, but I mean, even just, uh, I've only briefly listened to like some of your show reel, but even your kind of, uh, your vocal tone, your accent mm. a little bit, just... Mm. And you mentioned it yourself. Like Murray Walker used to be so bloody excited by everything. Yeah. And he genuinely got excited. I remember when I watching F1 with my dad, because my dad was really into it. Mm-hmm. And you'd hear some commentators who would have that that background voice, that kind of so and so is happening in this yeah, area. Flat. But then you got Murray Walker screaming his head off. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and he would make you excited. And my mm. my mum way back then uh she hated it she wasn't interested in it but if she was watching it and murray walker was talking even she would get interested yeah and she wasn't interested if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. um, but you know he made it exciting and you know you made the same sort of effort and i think that's quite cool thank you well murray was infectious you know he he had this energy where you do get commentators and i, I was talking to somebody about it the other day i can't remember who it was but he said that there's one of the i'm not going to name names but there's a commentator that's taken over his favorite motorsport at the moment um and he's like they start up here like they're they're not on a level you've got to start level get excited for excited bits and then tone down for bits where it's calmed Mm. down a bit recollect yourself and just paint a picture to then build up but murray was one of those guys that was up there straight away but he made it work it was just infectious there's other commentators like the guy i alluded to there who does start up there and it's a bit much to listen to and i don't know what it was about murray really but he just I think it's because he was the first person to do it. He was just so... He, you could tell it was genuine excitement and mm. genuine enjoyment. And that's what I get out of it as well. You know, I I only want to commentate on this because I love watching it and I like to describe it to people that are listening in a way that they might understand. How how did you get into it? Because it's, it's, it's quite a niche thing. How on earth did you start yeah. going, oh, I'm going to be a commentator? The, there is a long story to this and it starts with wallpaper <laughs> okay yeah all right go on when my mum and my stepdad were decorating their house they bought loads of samples of wallpaper and the back of it was very plain and very smooth 
So I got a marker pen and I started drawing out tracks, paddocks and everything on, <laughs> on the back of these things, measuring out grid slots and the track to make sure that at points it was the right width for two of these cars and a bit more and whatever. Did and you have started... did you have campsites and local pubs as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to I mean, you know, my dad liked to beer, so I had to uh, I had to cater to him as well. Of course. But um I I even started at the point of if I'd have like I'd make like a toker package style thing. So I'd have a championship that was like the main event and then others that led up to it. But obviously, then I hit another stumbling block which is when you're a kid playing with toy cars, you create the outcome you know who's going to win and so on so to then add more to that i developed a thing where you roll a dice that decides what happens on each lap for each car and all this and i was only about 10 at this point i hadn't even (laughs) hit high school and then i started making spreadsheets and all that to keep track of championships race can we can we package this and release it as a as a board game you know what there's there's a board game that's very similar out there that i found a few years ago called formula d it used to Sewer, that's yours. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. It's a French company called Asmodee, though, so I don't know what the mm. conflict of interest with Renault would be. But um, in all fairness, they, they made this board game, and I found it a few years ago just by chance. And it's in so much detail, the entire, probably an entire episode of, an, of the podcast to just explain that game. But um, I, I eventually started commentating on these things when I was doing these races, making it a bit more exciting, just providing a narrative. And, you know, it was only me listening. My mum would probably sit in her office because she worked from home just telling me to shut up. She's, but, she's there crying. Like, yeah, she's like, what have I like, created? <laughs> what is this thing? But she loves it now when I turn up in 150 grand Porsche at her house. But, oh, I, did um, see, I did see that. No, I saw your post about the, the Taycan because I've, oh. I've, I've got a uh, 718 Cayman S. Oh, nice. Um, And we were actually like... My missus is constant. She's like, oh, you can't get the kids in it. Can't get the kids in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's not like, the so, point. Um, yeah. No, it's not the point. <laughs> you can I, get I, away from the kids in it. It's exactly the point, yeah. <laughs> but um, I was, I had a day book to go and um, test drive exactly the model you had. So mm. um, I'm interested to hear what you thought of it. I'm surprised that I'm sat here with my head still on my shoulders. Because it, Did it, it sound? Because it kind of sounded like a spaceship. Yeah, they've got this. Um, they've got this thing that they've done where they've recorded the motors in their most naked form and the sound that they make. This like whirring that they have, but there's like two tones to it because it's got what they call a dual drive system. So there is actually like a gear change. Yeah. Not that you, not that you feel it, but they play the sound ambiently back through the speakers, and you can turn it on and off. And honestly, the guy put it on when he just quickly showed us how it how it all works, and we were like, no, leave it on because. It just gives you so much more feedback as to what the car's doing because obviously we're used to listening to revs when we slow down, putting it in neutral, for example, when you're at the line and you know that the revs drop a little bit more. You get that feedback from it. And I mean, it's just cool. <laughs> Simple yeah. as that. You, you pull away and it just has this proper whirring noise. There's no way you can ex- describe it without using the phrase spaceship because. Yeah. It's just what it is. There's a lot of videos on YouTube about it as well. Because well, I was going to describe it because it, it. To be honest, it sounded. We've just got a new Dyson, <laughs> and, 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 and and when that ends, when you turn it off, it goes like. Pew! Yeah, yeah. And, and and I was like, that's the sound, but I can't say a Porsche sounds like a Dyson. No. <laughs> so I so I went with spaceship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Well, it, it's just like there's so many things that car does that is just different, but in a good way. Like yeah everybody thinks oh electric cars you know they don't make the same noise you don't get the same smell pops and bangs and gearbox whines and all that sort of stuff which is true there are a lot of fundamental things that if combustion engines do disappear that we are going to miss about them but the electric side of things has a few things to combat that you know there's the, just the mental acceleration for one the amount of technology and things you can actually play with you can turn engine braking on or off in the Taycan because oh. obviously the motors can still maintain friction when you let off so yeah. it then has a bit of regen or they just let go of the wheels completely and it just it just glides like i was on a motorway and we got to 70 your honor and <laughs> let off to sort of just like let it slow down behind the car in front and then hopefully he'd move out the way and stop being a knobhead and then we'd carry on but <laughs> it you let off and it doesn't slow down it just stays at the same speed because there's no friction at yeah. all it's yeah. just the road and because it weighs two and a bit tons obviously it, does, it takes a bit more to slow it down well it's i'd imagine crazy. one the weight once it gets going but two the aero is oh, just yeah. just amazing on that oh, thing it was so just 
biblical absolutely biblical i i i mean i i said to carl he actually messaged me and said he really enjoyed the video maybe you can do some more and i was just like oh no <laughs> what have i done but you know carl was amazing about all of it the guy that owns the because uh, it's actually his car i thought it was just one that they had at porsche center chester that yeah. you know was a demo car but it turns out it was his own car and he gave it me for the day and said go and have some fun yeah, and wasn't bothered that the first question I asked in the video was how do I do launch control because I got in, kept it in like normal mode where you get only six hundred and something horsepower, and then <laughs> you know me and my, my brother were driving around and it was like oh this is great, and then you put it in sport mode and then you're in the wet and you put your foot down and you feel it sort of step out a bit but it, it just like floats sideways and controls itself and then it's like it sort of recalculates and goes hang on we're going that way so it just goes and just suddenly you just go in in that direction it's just mind-blowing but it, it is that whole you, you just all you do is just laugh because you don't know yeah. what else to think because it's just so so sudden and it's the a, a lot of people always say you know i enjoy going fast i don't i don't think it's that i think it's the acceleration it's the yeah, yeah. it's, it's the feeling. increase yeah i mean j yeah. you know on the opposite end of the scale jeremy clarkson always says you know speed isn't what kills you it's the sudden stop mm. and <laughs> on the other end of the scale it is it's not how fast you're going it's how quickly you can get there and i think that's the party piece that is the most enjoyable i think well it's uh, to people that haven't done it or like the only way i can describe it to anyone who's not done that is is um you know thought park have you been to thought park i have and i hate roller coasters so <clears> they've got that, that one i can't remember what it's called it's oh. um it's it's so literally it I think it does like naught to 80 in like two seconds or something. Mm. And it, it just fires you straight and then verse straight up and then yeah. straight back oh, down. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't no, remember what it's called. was talking to me about that the other day. Cause he, he was going to, I think he went down there actually the other day. Because we were talking about um, the Rita, Queen of Speed at Alton Towers. And he was mm. saying that there is there is one that goes quicker than, than Rita and it's that one. The the Thought Park one, I, I can't remember the name of it either. But the bottom part of it that shoots the carriage off uh, was taken off um, an aircraft carrier. Oh right! So the massive piston oh, that used to shoot aircraft, catapult. yeah. Oh god, uh, it, it's that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's naught to eighty-eight or something in less than two seconds. That's frightening. Um, that. I want to say, I want to say stealth. Stealth. I stealth. think it might be stealth. Maybe it's terrifying because mm. <laughs> what what really freaked me out when I went on it is love the acceleration and you're going straight up, but it's only got like a a lap restraint. Mm. so there's there's nothing that comes yeah, over the yeah. top you know no, nothing nice and secure to hold on to yeah. it's got a lap <clears throat> restraint and the thing is when you go up it goes up like that then banks over yeah as it banks over at god knows what speed you're doing i thought i was gonna die because your your, your <laughs> ass your ass lifts out of your seat yeah yeah you you've float, got don't you? you've got nothing here yeah so you just think i'm gonna slip out it's um, scary as hell i, I genuinely thought i was i was like there's something wrong here yeah. like oh Part of the buzz of it is you immediately think it's broken and you're going to die. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that I um well, well probably ten plus years ago now we well, went to the states with my missus and a, a mate and his missus. Yeah, uh, we went to um, Bush Gardens in in oh, right, Florida, yeah. like Tampa Bay area, and there and there's there's a ride there that is like proper rickety old wooden thing. Oh no, oh. they've they've got one a bit like Oblivion, um, mm. but it's called Shikra and it's twice the size of oblivion and it i uh, it's one of the best rides i've ever been on but then after that and i can't that i didn't find i thought that was brilliant and i got off that and went on this rickety and i was my missus was like let's go on the, the the runaway train i was like i'd be crap i'm not going on that <laughs> and then you get on it and you can feel it as it goes over these humps you can feel it lifting off the track oh, <laughs> and, no. I, and there's there's because it's old it's just again it's just that you know, like when you sit in the teacups with your kids and they yeah. get the little the little tiny bar or yeah, like the yeah. one where you go around and play Laser Quest as it goes round. It's that kind of bar. But I can feel it coming off. The, and I, I, was, I got off that and I had to lay down. I was like, I'm not surprised. Is, I'm not surprised. I mean, I like I like speed and I like, you know, the the kind of thrill. But that mm. was even for me, that was like, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I, I think my thing is weightlessness because I've, I've always tried to like figure out what it is about my motion sickness that triggers it like whether you, you know just in case in future if there's anything i can do to avoid it or try and help it you know like motion sickness tablets or anything don't seem to help i always think it's negative g or weightlessness mm. because when you're like pulling up 
like really aggressively and you get all that positive G pushing you down, it's fine. But it's when you go over the top, it's like everything just comes up and it's like, oh God, I don't like that. And I think that that's what, um, that's what does me over in VR. I, I can't race in VR. I've got a headset in there. that's like yeah. a 1200 quid headset that I just can't use because I get motion sickness in it. But like, it's, I think it is just weightlessness because if I, you chuck me in a flight sim like DCS or something like that, I can fly around for hours and it's fine. And I think that's down to when you're in a car, I know what similar G-forces to expect, like go, stop, lean, yeah. lean back, lean forward, and that's it. When I come to a stop and I don't feel that sort of, ugh, that, that chucks me forward, yeah. my brain goes, you were meant to feel something there. That, mm. That's weird. Like you don't weigh anything. You, you're weightless. When I'm in a plane, I don't know what, you know, I, I can expect what positive G of seven would feel like in a fighter jet, but I don't know what that feels like physically. So my brain doesn't go, oh, hang on, this is wrong, because it doesn't know what is wrong and what's mm. right at that point. So it's, it's a bit of a weird mix, because I, I think I even get that in games where you move around and you walk, and that properly triggers me off. Like, if I you do a thing where you point somewhere and you suddenly teleport there, yeah. I've moved there without physical effort, and it's like, whoa, hang on. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but that's the problem with me for roller coasters. Is like if it's one that went around in a circle on its own, <laughs> pulling positive G, I'd be mint. But yeah. as soon as you go over the crest or something, that's it. I'm written off for the day. Uh, see, I I'm can't a coat holder. I, I can't use VR at all. I was saying earlier, like you can have a twelve hundred pound um, VR headset. You can have motion. You can mm. have you know because you can buy like the the what's it? I can't remember what's called now the the rear traction stuff traction loss yeah um, um you know all these kind of things that you can get like crazy fans and stuff like that and and it's mental you know, and like you know if you go out and buy the the latest in graphics card technology you know and you got to buy it from Abdul on the black market because nowhere's <laughs> got any stock or whatever it is but but like you could spend like easily. If you just went off the shelf and bought like reasonably top grade, twenty grand, easy. Oh, easy, yeah, um, easy, easy. But you could also spend, you know, a hundred quid on a or one hundred and fifty quid or whatever it is, or eighty quid on a Logitech, you know, PlayStation wheel, um, you know, PlayStation or an Xbox or whatever, and and you could quite conceivably use your laptop or a TV screen or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can get into it relatively cheaply. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, I think this is the argument that I always get annoyed with when people, I think people should, if people want to spend the money, good for them because it's yeah. about immersion and stuff. But as yeah. long as they don't think, they don't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to spend 10 grand and I'm going to then be faster mm. because that's where the issue comes. And that's where, I think the whole point of this podcast, what we've been doing is sort of, you know, blokes talking about mental health and stuff. Yeah. Sim racing is brilliant. And it's got me through a lot of shit like over the last couple of years. And like mm -hmm. I said, it filled that gap for me with, with not being able to drive. Yeah. Um, you know, I could fire up a set of Corsa and before I bought, when my Porsche was on order, I fired it up and downloaded the mods. And then I, I got my exact car yeah, and I was cool. driving it round, you know, and I was like, it's oh, mega, this is... isn't it? yeah, and just, but it, it got me through that. But actually also sim racing, there are pros and cons to everything. And yeah, when it starts getting to that high level, like you said, there are times when you're just in something like Wreckfest or whatever it is, or Mario Kart, whatever the hell you're playing, yeah. like, and it's just a laugh. But when you start getting competitive and you start joining leagues and hosted stuff, you know, I've, I've been in the, the Porsche stuff. I've done endurance racing. I've, you know, I've done races with people like Yardier and stuff like that. Mm. And, and it is very, very stressful because. Yeah. yeah. It gets very toxic. I mean, I, I know a number of guys that are in the, um, Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup yeah. and a few of the people in the teams there. And some of the stuff that those guys can figure out about the sim and the time they put into finding little exploits and stuff like that is frightening and you know that they're amazingly talented people but as you said there you know you can like you could go and spend 20 grand i could spend 150 quid on a wheel we'd be in the same race and it yeah. wouldn't necessarily mean one of us is better than the other there are advantages to it of course like when you've got a direct drive wheel that can put out 28 newton meters of torque compared to like a little belt driven wheel you are going to be able to dial that up feel a bit more and you know have the response and you know exactly where the grip is in more detail and so on and a better refresh rate and all this same with monitors you know recently at the top end people have said one of the main differences 
that people are finding now to get an extra tenth here and there is a diff a higher refresh rate on a monitor. So people yeah. running 75 hertz will be at a disadvantage to people running 144, 165. And it's just yeah. like, that's how close it is. But from the mental health aspect, it's very toxic. You know, like people will do anything to throw each other under the bus. It, it's competitive. I get that. You know, it's a competitive sport. Mm. But there are just, yeah, I, I hate to sit there and go, it's not real because, you know, this is as close as a lot of us are going to get to ever driving on a track or even driving cars similar to what we can go near. And I'd never discourage anybody from doing that. But it does get a bit like sometimes you just need to give people a bit of a tap on the shoulder and say, just calm it a bit, like, you yeah. know, give it a bit. And it's online. That's that's the underlying part of it. You know, everything online is out there to hurt us, really. It's not created that way, but it's <laughs> it's not it's not the, pl the most pleasant place on earth. And it's uh, it inherits that. And I think, um, I mean, I'm part of the iRacing UK community mm -hmm. um, and to be fair they have been I'm going to name drop a couple of people Carl <laughs> yeah Carl and Sean from iRacing UK have been amazing you know they are yeah. so pro what we're trying to achieve mm -hmm. um, and they've been sharing it and, and, and whatnot and that community there's a reason they have a specific page for mental health they have a section for mental health because yeah yes we're in a community and yes we've got discord and it's a wonderful medium for chatting and talking oh, yeah. and, and connecting and um but when you start and i was trying to explain this to kieran like my favorite part of sim racing is when you do the endurance events so you've got oh, yeah. you know a team of four of you or three of you or whatever it is and you do um, and i know you've commentated on some of these mm. as well some of the really big i racing ones yeah um you know that's growing up le mans be it, you know, imagining driving a Porsche or a Mercedes or a Jaguar at Le Mans yeah. was the dream. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I can, I can kind of do that in the sim world. Yeah. I, I, I do love those events because it's not only the fact that you've got like your team of people and you've put a load of effort into practicing, getting a setup, planning when your stints are going to be and, you know, waking up at stupid o'clock to like get yourself ready, have a coffee or whatever, get in the car at ridiculous o'clock. But it's the fact that you know that there's thousands of other people there out there doing that. And even in just the, when you get put into splits in iRacing, there's what, 50, 60 teams in a split with you. And then and everyone's, four people each. Everyone's always looking, is Max in this split? Is Max oh, in this split? Oh, right, right. As a commentator, as a commentator, like I, I know Jimmy Broadbent personally. I really like Jimmy. He's He's doing amazing stuff. But it is the most annoying thing <laughs> in the world when all you get in chat is, where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? Is Max in this split? Like people people have picked up on the whole is Max in this split thing that much that they say it ironically now. Even if he's not in the race, people will still say it. <laughs> Even and if I'm he's like, not in the podcast, I still yeah, say it. Like... <laughs> that's it. It's like, it's funny once. And it's like, <laughs> if you've got 100 people saying it over the course of a six-hour stint when you commentate in a quarter of a race, oh, I'm sorry, but it does me head in. But I can imagine. It, you know, it's just, it's the internet age. You know, everybody has to be the funniest person and everyone's trying to make an impression and so on. I think, like, speaking about Jimmy, like, he's done, you think where he's come from. Oh, and, it's incredible. And, you know, and for anyone who doesn't know, like, Kieran's probably like, who the hell are you talking about? But um, there's a guy <laughs> called Jimmy Broadbent, started sim race essentially started sim racing in his shed in the bottom of his mum's mm. garden and he's now driving a praga for you know round he drives four praga in brick car yeah for the factory team at praga oh wow and okay he, he's just started he's just done his second race last weekend but was I, it snetterson yeah yeah i don't yeah. know i i haven't seen i because i i normally i don't like follow him or anything i just yeah, catch yeah. up catch up when he posts like videos mm. or stuff and i kind of flitter in and out because there's so many sim racing stuff, you know, like, oh yeah, it's, um, it's hard to keep up with all of it. I don't like, I'm, uh, I'm in a team called Zancho Simsport and they mainly operate on a set of course, uh, ACC and R factor. And I won't lie. I'm, I'm a bit of an outcast of the team. Not, not by any of their doing. It's yeah. not because I don't fit in or anything, but it's just because they're all so busy on that. There's so much going on and I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm mainly an I racing guy. And, I can't keep up with it. I don't know how they do it, but you know, everyone everyone has their own niche. Like that'll be some that for some of them that'll be all they do. You know, they'll they'll only do one series, but they'll put all their time into it, or they'll only ever be on one sim. But when I'm commentating here, 
on iRacing and then I'm going to go and do maybe a bit of racing for a laugh on a set of courses and then I'm off at the weekends traveling Europe doing real world commentary it's hard to stay pinned in with what they're doing while doing what I'm doing and it's it's all a bit mental really but um, yeah pe- people like Jimmy I mean he I hate to be that guy that's like oh I knew him first but like <laughs> I, I first came across Jimmy when um, a friend of mine pointed him out my friend Tom Jacobs um, made me aware of Jimmy and he was like oh this lad's doing some pretty funny videos. Watch, watch some of this stuff. It's well good. And, you know, we'd end up to the point where we were, like, quoting him to each other and so on. And I think he had about 3,000 subscribers when we found him. And he nearly quit the whole YouTube thing because he had um, he, he he's had quite a lot of mental health issues as well. Obviously, it's not my, my area to go into detail about that on his behalf or anything. But he did a video where he almost quit sim racing and YouTube at the 3,000 subscriber mark because of mental health problems and stuff going on with his girlfriend and family life and then you know he's come back from it now and he's got god knows how many thousand now he's in the hundreds of thousands and oh, he's, he's racing, nearly half a million or something yeah isn't it, and, and he's racing wow. in the real world it's yeah. it's incredible what these youtubers can achieve and not be an absolute knob like someone like jake paul who thinks he can just punch <laughs> a bloke in the face and i'm not even going to get started on him because i'll yeah. just get annoyed <laughs> He basically had this face-off thing with Floyd Mayweather when he, he's fighting him soon and he, he took his hat and ran away and then Floyd and his bodyguards beat the shit out of him, as as, as you should. Cause yeah. the, the thing is, like, I'm all for people doing well from something and like what some of these YouTubers achieve is absolutely incredible. And to stand out in the internet age, I mean, I know firsthand is very difficult because, you know, everyone's trying to promote themselves and what they do and everyone's making their own sort of identity. And it's getting more and more important to put content out there and interesting stuff. And these YouTubers like Jake and Logan Paul, you know, they're, they're becoming international stars just because of the fact that they've decided to take up boxing. And, you know, they'll take people on just because they're getting money out of it now. And it's amazing that they can do that, but it's like, I, th- I think there's a bit of a line that needs to be drawn with where well, I th- the crossover I think it's, can be. Um, it kind of, I mean, I don't want to admit, well, maybe I've just a bit, but oh, uh, Logan turned up on uh, WWE, the wrestling. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of, I can kind of agree with that or, or understand it a bit more than taking on an undefeated pound for pound best boxer of all yeah. time. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah, money, and I get that, but to me, it just devalues the sport. If you're yeah, going, does. if you're yeah, going, he's yeah, willing, he's willing to jump in a ring with this nobody. Like, yeah, totally. I would say not nobody. You know, he's famous for what he's done, but he, in the world of boxing, he's a nobody. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, like, it's almost disrespectful. Yeah. Um, you know, you've yeah. got someone who's four and and won God knows how many championships and things over a long career, a long successful career. Yeah. And then you get some jumped up internet knobhead. Who's like, I'll fight you and beat you. And I'm like, mm, I, I don't true, know. I mean, it, I mean, to, be, to be fair to him, he he has trained hard and he has won some fights. But then there are plenty of other boxers and martial artists and wrestlers out there who have won something. Yeah. But there's a big difference between, you know, mm. being, you know, getting into boxing a few years ago and then having a whole career out of it and starting it as a kid and, you know, grassroots yeah. boxing coming up. and Well, uh, I and, imagine know. that, you know, there's probably drivers out there that, you know, see this progress that Jimmy's made and jump straight into Praga and thought, why haven't I got that drive? Yeah. You know, I've been doing it like 10, 15 years. I've been doing club racing. I've been doing this, that, and the other. You know, I've got the funds together. I've got sponsors. And, you know, why can't I go and do that? But admittedly, like... You know, Jimmy's put the work in to do it, much much like Jake and Logan have. You know, they, they've still put some work in to get there, yeah, of which course is com- have, yeah. completely fair. But you've got to think about the people that they've sort of jumped the queue of in front of. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a number of people out there that have probably had a similar experience. But it depends on how the the organisers and the sports see it, because for them it could be a promotional thing as well. They know it's getting the coverage. Oh, it's all about yeah. money. It's all about yeah. money. Yeah, it's all money. At, at, at that top end, it's not about respect or anything like that. It, or, mm. you know, fighting a, a, a someone on the same level. You're not fighting your peer uh, or someone who is as good as you or, or not. It's just purely about money. I mean, yeah. the, pro, the prize pot for that has got to be 
Oh, it'll be God with, knows what. with Floyd Mayweather involved. It'll be stupid because mm. yeah. he's he's made money anyway. I mean, you've seen some of the stuff that he does, the the pictures he posts where he's literally got a bed and it's just full of diamonds and yeah. it's, it's just like fair play to him though because you know he's he's made a career of it and done really well. So if you like what you're listening to and you don't want to miss any of our upcoming content, please give us a like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Dudes Don't Cry for all the latest on our upcoming episodes. And if you want to get in touch or maybe even share your story, please go to our Anchor host website at anchor.fm forward slash dudes don't cry. From there, you'll be able to send us an email or even click the link and send us a voice message. And if it's good enough, we might even play it on the show. And finally, if you're a fan of our intro music, then check out the band Just A Ride. Their latest single, Razor, is out now and you can listen on Spotify. And there's a link to their social account in the description of this episode. I was just wondering as well, have you ever had to kind of ad lib over, say there's an incident on the track in real life or sim racing, Mm. where it all kind of stalls a bit? And then obviously you're expected to say something. You can't be quiet. So like... Says someone who's never played iRacing. It's like, <laughs> we were meant to start this three hours ago. <laughs> um, yes, there was there was a difficult... There was two difficult scenarios in one day, actually, last year at Thruxton in August, where when you commentate at Thruxton, you're in an air traffic control tower, which is like... It's my, I, we're um, local track. It's, it's, five, it's five, min- five minutes down the road. It's an epic circuit. It's it's just a shame about the pit lane because it's, yes. yeah, it's a yeah, listed yeah. building, isn't it? And yeah, it's like yeah. the oldest pit lane I've ever seen. It's tiny. You can barely fit a BTCC car in the garage. And there's not even um, plug sockets in the garages. No. Teams have to bring generators into the boxes with them. But there's something romantic about that as well. Like when yeah. they have when they have the historic events, especially. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a bit like going to a, a budget Goodwood because, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And, it, it's it's a wonderful circuit like that. I just do wish that because it seems a bit odd because when you're in the commentary box, you can see all these really old garages in front of you and like you know they've not been touched in years to to change how they look or anything. And then in the background, you've got this massive BARC building that's like the most <laughs> modern looking thing you've ever seen, all architectural, beautiful metal and glass thing. And it's like it's a bit of a contrast, but it is what it is. But when we were at Thruxton, there was two very very weird scenarios. I, I say weird, but just difficult to commentate on where you you both know how fast Thruxton is. You know, it's it's an incredibly high-speed circuit. And we're in the BMW Compact Cup, and one of them lost it on the back. You can see the whole circuit other than the complex from the commentary box. One of the guys lost it out the back, and he ended up just sat in the middle of the road. And you could just see these other dots going either side of him because they were pretty much at eye level. And you saw him just stopped facing the right way. And all these dots were just going past him, and we were like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And we were just commentating on positions at this point. And we were like, oh, so-and-so has lost it. It looks like he's got away with it. He's got this guy going past him and so on. And you look up, and someone's hit him, like doing about 120, and he was stationary in the back. And it was very like, oh, he's been hit. And at, at that point, you've got to switch to it's not entertaining mode where you elaborate on what's going on. It is you just give facts, and you just say, Someone's hit him. It looks like it's this car. Hopefully they're both all right. You know, we'll we'll give you updates as we go, and then you just return to the race. You know, you don't elaborate on it too much because otherwise it can be a bit insensitive. Um, they were both all right. The cars were completely destroyed, but they they were both okay from what I knew. You know, nothing nothing major anyway. You know, probably cut some bruises or whatever. But it was it, it does get difficult like that because you think I need to at least sort of say it'll be all right without guaranteeing it'll be all right because you never know, as as harsh as that sounds. Um, but I, I had a, another moment later on in the day where there was, it, it's the most balmy thing I've ever seen because I think the whole field got, excuse me, the whole field got disqualified for it. And they had, in the Caterham Academy, they have um, Caterham Academy green and Caterham Academy white. And there was a big crash coming into the last chicane right in front of us where five, six cars were out. They red flagged the race and the whole field was then brought around single file and lined up in the chicane ready to then be told where to go on the grid and they were going to start again. And they they got them all lined up again and the lights were on on the gantry above the start and there was a marshal on the grid with just a green flag basically to say, do a warm-up lap because they were sat for quite a while. They were going to send them around on a warm-up lap get them back on the grid and then race and the lights went out on the gantry and they all went 
and me and the co-commentator was with Scott Woodwist that day, and we both looked at him and went, they're not going single file, and that's quite fast for a warm-up lap. <laughs> and the marshals then, they got two marshals on the grid with holding up the yellow flag like wide open, one in, one in front of each front grid position to sort of then, when they come back round, to say, line up here, and then they move to the next row and line up here and so on. And we saw them, and we, they went out of sight for a minute, and we were thinking, oh, well, maybe they're just getting heat in the tyres or something. And then we saw them racing, and it was only when another one went off because they were racing so hard. They were all at full chat, and we thought, oh, God. And all the marshals were then waving yellow flags all the way down as if to say, it's meant to be a warm-up lap, boys, come on. And then they came towards the final chicane, and they were still at race pace. And me and my co-commentator looked to our left at the start-finish line, where these two marshals were still stood there holding a yellow flag above their head to say, you know, this is where you're lining up. And I'd say the first car got just over the first of the grid boxes, like the painted marks on the floor where they line up, before these two marshals had the message or got told. And one of them had to lift through the flag on the floor, leaped out the way on the grass, and he must have been about 10, 15 feet from being it by this room at full chat, the entire field of them as well. And the other one didn't have time to get on the pit wall. So she was just stood with her back to the pit wall oh. on the track while they all came wow. past. And then I've, I don't think I've ever seen a marshal with such body language that says, you're getting a bollocking as the one that then <laughs> pointed them back in the pit lane because they red flagged it and they all just went in and they didn't go back out that day. But when you, when you try and explain that in a way where you don't sort of agree and say, what a bunch of dickheads, <laughs> you, you just sort of go like you say it's a real shame that you know just a breakdown of communications and the thing is if you're a driver at the back of that pack and everyone's going you're thinking i'm not risking losing out on this you know i'm yeah. going <laughs> yeah. so you know somewhere there by they were guilty by association really but it was moments like that make it interesting but also difficult i'd say but that's uh, it's, again it's cliche isn't it because it's part of what makes it exciting it's yeah. part of what as a kid and i know that's you know looking at the, the electric side of things you know i'm i'm sure there are many people that have been on board with formula e from the start i've not been one of them because no me neither. I, I i feel like i feel like it could have been brilliant i feel like i feel like they made a mistake when they they started letting a toddler with a protractor design the circuits um, oh no because yeah. everything's straight right angle straight right angle and and yeah. they just kind of bump a car and i think if yeah there was issues with battery and maybe just do the short version so go to silverstone and do the short yeah. track and, and have well, that's a, it um, if they were on proper tracks it would <clears> just be so much more acceptable but they're, they're doing like the bud e-pre and like I thought, what's this circuit there's if you're already a racing fan, you can't relate to the circuits they're going to. They're just, personally, I think the cars look phenomenal. They look absolutely incredible, but the sound is just really, I, I know Weird. that's always going to be the problem, but it is just, they they just really sound underwhelming. They just sound like they're complaining as they drive along. The thing that I miss the most from my childhood, and I get the same if like someone goes past on a moped, a little two-stroke or something, and I, it's the, the smell. Sm- it's a smell. Yeah. And it brings back so many memories for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, the sound I can kind of get over more than the smell. I, I, yeah. I no, really... definitely. The sound, you know, you could hear that from Dylan in his flipping modified MR2 up the road. You, know, you get that rasp. But... <laughs> oh, you know Dylan too, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a knob. <laughs> he needs to get that rusty arch sorted out. I, I keep telling him. But um, no, in, in fairness, I, I totally agree on that. The smell. Like, if uh, Have you been to Goodwood Festival of Speed? I imagine you've you've been to a few times yeah yeah i was gonna say what we used to do was alternate we'd go every two years because some of the cars when you've seen it once you go a year after it a lot of it does seem the same but the smell of some of the classic stuff is just you you could honestly eat it it's just gorgeous nothing comes close yeah i do have a little bit of a side story about festival of speed but we won't go into it (laughs) let's just say i ended up at the after party yeah and uh and i i was getting autographs and stuff from a lot of the the famous drivers and nice rubbing shoulders with lord march and uh nick mason for the, the drummer from pink floyd who has yeah. a lovely ferrari collection and um, God, let, let's God. just say someone famous their daughter gave me their number <laughs> Get in. And, but, but, but wrote it on the shirt <laughs> oh no so, so like, i had this tyrol shirt like team shirt with like 
Derek Bell and everyone signed and she wrote a number on it. Absolutely unbelievable performance by the 99 BMW. 50 years on from their first victory here. The very first running of the Nürburgring 24 hours and their 20th all-time win of this event. And it means an absolute massive amount to that team. And to be fair, at the start of this race, we did not think that that car would be a contender for the win. We thought maybe a podium with that good start. But wow, what a great driver. Nicky Katzberg, like you say, Brian, kept his head when others lost theirs. I, I rode a scooter for about all of 50 yards once, and it was my mate's scooter, and we were on a little car park next to the marina near here. And in my head, I lean over, bike falls over. Not I lean over, bike goes round corner. So You in, you in VR again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm on this scooter and I decide to turn the handlebars while being completely upright and to throw myself over the front of it. I went, right, that's me never touching bikes again, that's it. But, you know, it's, yeah. We've I, got, it, J, it's Jay from the Inbetweeners. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I used to have a Fiat Seicento as well. <laughs> that's, that's what makes it even worse. I loved that car. What I'm, a car. I did. I, I had an awful first car. I had a, a bright red H-Reg metro oh yeah nice what a beast though oh yeah what an Lunchbox. absolute beast yeah nothing worked the handbrake didn't work at all <laughs> it had an intermittent brake failure i nearly died in it loads of times i, I spun out in front of a hgv once oh god you've um, got you've got history of it, hgvs yeah yeah i don't know Flipping um, but i loved it it was an absolute heap of crap but if you i think if you can drive something with no power steering that's a billion years old that's got the worst brakes on the planet. If you learn to drive in something like that, oh yeah, Capable. when you're then yeah, when you're then gifted with a car that's got all the extras, yeah, gifted. you're a better driver. <laughs> gifted, yeah, you know what you're doing. Either that, or you're going to headbutt the wheel the first time you stamp on the brakes. Well, but... yeah, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> my, well, um... I actually um, I got seven points in my Seicento in one night. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's impressive. So there was there was two there was two roundabouts in Winsford one really big one at the bottom of the hill and a really little one at the top of the hill it's like a bowl there's a lot of positive, there's a lot of camber on it and there was a marina that we used to always spend our time on that was sort of on the way into the big um roundabout at the bottom and we always knew that Cheshire police had this car that was DK10 BBX and it was a silver Mondeo and we'd seen someone get pulled over by it and never, none of us forgot the reg. So whenever we saw it, we were like, we know who that is. So I was being a knobhead because I was 18. And I was showing my mate who'd just come out of the gym and he was just in a vest and shorts and it was like middle of November and it was leathering it down at about 10 at night. He'd got in the car and I'd, we'd done some stuff to it and it was, it was pretty nippy for what it was. No rear seats or any of that, little roll bar across the back and so on. And um, I said, oh, I'll, I'll just chuck it up the bypass and show you. I did a little burnout in the uh, in the marina, just as BBX in the Mondeo just <laughs> creeped its way into the roundabout. And I was like, okay. So we carried on. We let him go. But it turns out that when I then went steaming onto the roundabout, what he'd done was he'd pulled off at the first exit, seeing me come on the roundabout behind him, gone up the street and just turned around and then come back onto the roundabout to follow me. Now, in my defense... Those, the, those police officers are sneaky buggers, aren't they? I honestly, tell you. Yeah. bastards. <laughs> bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the rearview mirror in the state centre is not its finest feature because it was very loose. So whenever you rag it hard enough, it just vibrate itself down and gradually point further and further down and look at the rear seats. So I had no idea who's behind me. So I was admittedly, you know, I've already been done for it now, so I've got no fear in saying I was doing 50 mile an hour in a 30 just flat out, understeering like mad in the wet, all the way around, just making this horrendous noise. <laughs> Booted it then up the bypass, and it was it was fast for what it did. It would easily get near 100, that say center. It was great. Caned it up there, did about 80 and a 60. All the time, this Mondeo is right up my chuff. And then I think, oh, watch big man here. Chuck it into the roundabout at the top and spun it. And by the time I'd stopped <laughs> and realized there was a police car in front of me, there was a hand on my shoulder dragging me out of the car already because they thought I was trying to run away. I didn't know he was there. <laughs> they thought I was trying to get away, so they, they, they like began a proper chase on me, thinking, oh, God, this dickhead's running away from the police. I'm just there like, oh, look how fast this they sent is, Michael. <laughs> and then we got there. You know, he, he dragged me out of the car. It, it went a bit unnecessary and, like, bent me over the body, and, you no, know, nothing went up my backside, but he uh, he cuffed me. And then put me in the back of their car, moved out of the way. There was a train station right next to the roundabouts. So they put up me on there, taught me through everything and so on. I was like, look, 
I honestly didn't know you were there and I, I was just showing my mate, fair enough, you got me. Like, you know, I was being a bit of a knob. That's it. You know, I held my hands up to it. And then uh, he w- they they let me make Michael out, but the central locking wasn't working on the Seicento. So Michael was just stood out in the rain with his flip-flops on, shorts and a vest, in the middle of the rain at about half ten at night in the middle of November, <laughs> like shaking his tits off next to the car. <laughs> and then they were they were talking through everything. They were like, well, we'll send you a letter. You'll have to go court and all this and all that. And then eventually they said, oh, because um, I had a sticker on the back. I can't remember what it said now, but they, it, they had the F word in it and they were just like, oh, <laughs> Can if you, you, like, you, if you t- like blowjobs honk. <laughs> yeah. He probably just said fuck the police. Probably, it? yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. They, they were just like, could you just take that sticker off like this evening or something? Because, you know, it could offend <laughs> the motorists and all that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. And uh, and he said, so we'll we'll let you go. Um, is there anything that you, you know, you want to say or anything like that? And I was like, well, I don't really want to say thank you, but, you know, because <laughs> they weren't being dicks about it, to be fair. So I was like, yeah, fair enough. You know, that's just, you're doing your job. Um and then one of the other lads sort of chuckled and said, yeah, make sure you go uh, quite quickly before your mate catches fucking pneumonia. <laughs> he was absolutely freezing. But then uh, then I went to court about it and I got seven points oh. for two separate speeding offences because it was in two different zones and then um, driving without due care and attention, which caused the spin. Well, in a Seicento. It's got to be a world record, that. Probably. I probably Did shouldn't it... boast about this to you, should I? I mean, I, I've left now, so... <laughs> But <laughs> I'm uh, I'm writing it all down, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> mate, we, we've all we've all done dumb shit, and that's part of growing up. I mean, yeah, growing up, when when you first get your license, and someone goes, "Here you are, you can now drive," you know, a 1980s death trap. You <laughs> you have you have to fuck around with it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, I did as much as a metro could. Um, yeah. The only thing I really enjoyed about having a basic bitch car was that. Like I could fix it. I could do stuff with yeah. it. You could yeah. get a Haynes manual and do it yourself. Mm. Whereas now, I mean, you need a, a, a degree in engineering and a special computer to make anything work. The world's a changing place. Even my my uh, my eldest, she's nearly ten, and we were talking mm. to her. We talked to her last night about um, cars and things, and uh, we saw a that uh, there was like a day the other week where we saw about six. Um, Arbaths, the Fiat 500 Arbaths, oh, yeah. in one day, and they were all the same color. And mm-hmm. I said to her, I was like, no, because she's like, I want a Ferrari. And I'm like, like <laughs> I was like, well, uh, Daddy might buy you one of them, and then, but a red one, and you can stick a Ferrari badge on the front, like because yeah, it's yeah. essentially a Ferrari. <laughs> the 595 one. Yeah, and um, and she and she was like, she got really offended. She's like, no, I won't have anything like that. And then, she, <laughs> and we were trying to tell her, I was like, look, my first car was 400 quid like Ford Escort, like, like you will get what you're given, like, or you yeah, will no, pay you for it yourself. It. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, well, well, and it said it so like she was being so genuine. She was like, well, I might accept a Porsche. <laughs> 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 I, was like, oh, I love it. I was like, it's like when, when you've, you're like bringing up kids that are posher than you. And you, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, one, one funny thing recently, I, um, I, I met David Allison for a, uh, a, a quick chat about the whole Renault thing recently. And he, he turned up in a, a Porsche Boxster that I didn't know that he had. this. It was a 2003 Boxster, a silver one, um, soft top. I didn't know if there weren't any hard tops of that one, but um, he turned up in that and I went, I didn't know you had that. And he said, oh, it's my daughter's car. And I went, isn't your daughter like eight years old? And he went, yeah, yeah. So that's when she grows up. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's no a way. good way to get it around the wife, isn't it? Oh, I've got a new, I've bought our daughter a car, love. <laughs> and, it, and it will only appreciate in value. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, yeah. to be fair to him, that, that's why he's bought it because the value of them is is going up a lot those mm. those boxsters and you know it needs a bit of work doing but um yeah he uh, said once well, once it once she can drive it or you know she can have it it's, it's hers to do with whatever she wants you know she could sell it for quite a bit of money or she could have yeah. it in first cars of porsche nice. it's a cracking first car oh yeah. Is, yeah i'm right i think it's just say sento oh, oh yeah definitely <laughs> um the thing that worries me at the moment is obviously government are getting rid of combustion engine cars aren't they officially or mm. they're at least trying to yeah so i don't know what the rules are going to be like is there going to be like granddad rights to old cars like are we going to be able to drive it's not even classics is it like my current car's a normal bloody car mm. like paul's porsche like 
Did you just long... say your current car is like my Porsche? No, no, no. I, I said be my... more offended that no. his Porsche is normal. Yeah. <laughs> no, I said my current car is a normal car. It is not like your Porsche. My car is two, nothing two like thing, your Porsche. Two but... things. It's not, and it's pronounced Porsche. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I keep doing that. Well, I keep saying Porsche, you won't get that, Jake, I tell you. Yeah. It's when he starts going, Renault. <laughs> yeah, Renault. Well, Renault, isn't it? Oh, no. It's like when people um, emphasize the wrong bit of Subaru and say Subaru. Why would you do that? It's try. It's, it's when you find someone who can't say Peugeot correctly. <laughs> Peugeot. Peugeot. Yeah. Uh, I have to admit though, every time I write Peugeot, it's every time I'm doing a statement or something at work, and I have to write Peugeot. You also I have to you Google have to, it. I, I have to think about it every Google. single time. I just think your trajectory is going to be pretty. It's going to. It is already being quite impressive, and I just mm. think you're going to go onwards and upwards. And Thank it's you. it's it's cool to speak to someone who's i mean you've clearly i mean we joked about it before before it started i was saying you know how on earth do you get into that and i was taking the piss saying like oh i can imagine him fucking around with tiny little cars when he was a kid going <laughs> yeah. he's coming around the apex blah, blah, blah. and then That's exactly 20, and then 20 minutes in you're on about drawing on fucking you know you took down wallpaper and you had excel spreadsheets and you were you know you literally did exactly what i was expecting but except, times 10 except you took the joke to like Times whole new levels, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except I added an unbelievable level of nerdiness to Yeah, he sat there being like, yeah. oh my god. Like, yeah. It's like when you go like, listen what? to this sad bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I may be, I think there may be a bit of me on the spectrum. And he, where, where, yeah. like, what the yeah, I, 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 I so wanted to chime, chime in with that bit. When he's like, I think there's a bit of me on the spectrum. I was doing Excel spreadsheets at seven. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's like yeah, oh, there is a little bit. Yeah, it's like, what's your favorite flavored crayon? <laughs> <laughs> but no no in, in in fairness it's um it's been a crazy few years to be honest because i i started doing it in may no april 2018 i started doing esports commentary and then early it was april 19 i got my first real world gig which was the bookmore park 24-hour karting event and I met, I met a few people there and developed stuff from there and then at the end of the year it was a bit more contact based where i'd work with like tom brooks on gran turismo and a few other gigs like that. And it was it was quite exciting. And then early 2020, my mate Mark Fletcher rang me about Sports 2000. I did that. And then I met David over lockdown. And I mean, David's just been amazing for how much work he's helped me get. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he got work for me. And he obviously thinks I'm doing something right. He got me in the Nürburgring 24-hour gig in my first year of real-world commentary. And hopefully it carries on from there. The aim is to get onto something like GT World Challenge or BTCC and helpfully david's a part of both of those um because the, the clio cup europe is already on the sro gig they're, yeah. they're always at sro meetings so that that helps and you know I've, I've been doing it three years now this is this is my now i'm now into my fourth year of doing it and i'm it's it's not something where i want to measure it against other people's progression in commentary but i know people that have done it for like 15 16 years and they've got to a level and then they've stayed there when there is more progression available mm. to the bigger series and bigger events you never know what could be stopping that though you know people could still want to do it and either due to family commitments or personal things you know they just can't and they're happy where they are and there's nothing wrong with that you know it's it's not like oh it's like a big game of top trumps like haha i've got formula one you're only on formula three and all that it's, that's not what it's like but you know it's always nice to be able to get the bigger gigs and yeah, be able to to do that and that, that's the aim because it's 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 not about fame or anything. It's just I enjoy doing it, and when you can commentate on top level motorsport, it's just exciting because of what you get to witness and mingle with. Mm. There's always there's always whatever you're doing, but particularly on social media, going to be the odd knobhead who dislikes you. Well, it's jealousy. I would argue is most of it. I, most of the people who yeah. criticise you are jealous of what you're doing because they can't do it or haven't done it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, there's there's a admittedly. The, there's a few people that are, you know, I'm very, I'm very, very close with, but I, there is a theme that whenever I do something exciting or something really quite cool, not to rub it in, but they're not the ones that like it, share it, or talk about it. You know, they, there's there's radio silence. But then hmm. there's other people that I'd probably never really speak to that still comment on it and be like, oh, that looks great, you know, and then they'll ask questions about it and elaborate on it. But then sometimes you find that the people that sometimes you are closest to, not anyone in particular at this point, but I've noticed it before where 
when something amazing like that happens, they are then, it seems like it's a jealousy thing. You know, I don't want to point fingers at them and just say, oh, you're just jealous because it seems like a bit of a knobhead-ish thing to do. But in your head, you do think that. Because you, you, you've got to be honest with it. You know, there's there's a few people I've I've spent time with in the last sort of two years and a good mate of mine, Dan McCauley, who I call my demotivational speaker, who <laughs> if I think something's cool or something's different, you know, I'll pitch it to Dan and I'll say, what do you think? And he'll go, that's stupid. Don't do that. It looks shit. Because <laughs> Dan Dan's like, for for his age, he's incredibly experienced in stuff. You know, he's got so much life experience already beyond anything I could get. And he just knows. And, you know, I, I see Dan as a real inspiration to me. But at the same time, you know, he's there to share the positive experiences as well. And he's fully supportive of it, but it just gives me that extra insight. And I think that that's one of the key things that I just want to give is just a different viewpoint on stuff and i may be wrong most of the time i may say things differently to other people but we're all different and it's just part of the fun it's part of the journey in it yeah they always say don't they that if you if you enjoy your job you never work a day in your life and i think yeah um, you know you're in a situation where you you're still you can tell talking to you you're still that kid oh you know, yeah you're, you're, yeah definitely so, I, so... I i don't feel like any of that's changed like i when i was in france uh, you know, I was walking around with an ice cream in me and watching GT4s race in the south of France. And I, I had that moment where I looked around and in my slightly autistic way, looked around and out loud just went, I'm getting paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> looked around and it was just like, this is honestly a dream come true. It's a, it's a privilege, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, this, yeah. you know, I admittedly, I, I've put a lot of work in to do it. I'll, I'll, you know, I've been told by people to stop sort of ignoring the fact that I've I've worked hard to get here. But, the, you know, there's a lot of people that have helped me get to this point already. And you know, I'm still very early on in it. You know, I mean, Murray Walker, bless him, he, he didn't retire until he was... He didn't commentate full-time until he was 65. Yeah. He was still in advertising until retirement age, and then he did it full-time. So I'm, I'm a few years off that yet, <laughs> luckily. but And he seemed hopefully. to be around, like, I mean... Forever. He's around for a long time. Yeah, he, he started commentating with uh, with his dad actually. Him and him and his dad commentated together for I think thirteen years. Yeah, um, he's not actually called Murray either. It's called Graham. I mean, <laughs> Where's the Murray come from? Then? There's a bombshell. I think Murray's his middle name, but ah. his his dad was Graham Walker and he was Graham Walker, but he didn't want to be called Junior, so he, ah. he was just he was always ah. Murray Walker. And him and his dad were a um, a commentary duo on the TT for a long, long time, and then motorcycle racing and yeah. Yeah, I mean the man, the man was an inspiration. You know, I, I must admit, I think one of the hardest things in my career. I say entire career, like it's long. You know, it's still a short career so far. But one of the hardest things in my career was commentating on a six-hour endurance race and being three hours in when I heard the news about Murray, mm. and then we had to say, like, you know, we're just gonna because we, me and my co-commentator Ed May, he took it like a trooper, and I. I fell apart, and I won't lie. It was it was very difficult because I, I got the news via Twitter and I was just like, we're just going to take a break and then I tried to start explaining it and the more and more I said it, it was just like, fell to bits. And you hear Ed saying, it's all right, Chaz, it's all right, we'll just go to a break, we'll go to a break and do this. And then, yeah, that was, uh, then it became three hours of sort of reminiscing slightly about the guy that I'd <laughs> grown up listening to and mm-hmm. still aspire to be like, you know, he was... He wasn't just a, a good commentator and just good at his job. He was just a fantastic human being. And, you know, I, I hope to one day be like Murray, not not just in the way that I can commentate on top-end motorsport, but, you know, hopefully, you know, you, you don't get very far by being a knobhead. So hopefully I uh, hopefully I can still be a bit genuine and enjoyable all the way through. <laughs> well, I'm sure you will. But, yeah, good luck with it all. And um, Thank you. And uh, I'm sure we will cross paths. Uh, well, I'm hoping at some point because yeah, you, you, you dabble with a bit of driving and um, and we're mm. going to be looking at doing some um, charity events uh, okay. for, like to raise money for like mind and stuff for the mental health yeah, side yeah. of things. I'll be uh, fully in support a, of that. With a, with a, with a nice liveried up. Well, we've got a nice liveried up LMP2. Um, oh, hello. Which the plan is long. The big goal is to do Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're going to use... Uh, what's it called uh watkins glen as a warm-up um yeah. just for that but yeah no it, i if i can get you involved in doing a bit of driving um <laughs> <Exactly, laughs> yeah. cool. i'm not very good there's a reason i'm a commentator <laughs> <laughs> well the whole point i think that the whole point is what we're saying about it being um really competitive and, and stuff this is about for me it's about 
just having fun and, yeah, and well, that's the, what you've got to do having fun raising awareness but also mm-hmm. trying to raise some funds at the same time yeah um, definitely for, for a good cause you know and there's mm-hmm. we're such a big community that and um, we spend so much money on kit and bullshit and renting cars from iRacing <laughs> and whatever it is yeah, and yeah. subscriptions and new that we can all spare a couple of quid to put in a pot to, yeah definitely you know, so um, definitely so yeah i will let you know but while we're on the subject of, of things like that if anyone's listening and they are in the market for uh, a commentator for something or they even just want to check out your stuff where can they go um there is actually the very egotistically named chasdraycott.com um i I often post on there. Um, more often than not, it'll be on my Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, which is all under Chaz Draycott Media if they want to uh, find me there. But yeah, a lot of my pro- promotional stuff is on my website anyway. I, tr- I try to post there, but doing blogs and stuff is just a lot more time consuming than, uh, than just posting a quick picture and a, a blip of text on uh, on Twitter. But yeah, yeah I'll, uh, I'll, I'm, on, I'm on as many platforms as can be. You know, it's all about that self-promotion. Oh, the brand, the brand. The um, brand. And if, if they just want to check you out when you're next at work, when what's the next thing you're commentating on? This weekend, come in. Um, I'm going to be with David Addison from ITV4 on the Clio Cup Europe. And then Sunday, I'm at Silverstone for the, I think it's a BRSCC Formula 3 Cup. So busy, busy man. Yeah, busy man. <laughs> yes. No, awesome. I, I think I've got 11 weekends in a row now where I'm commentating and I get, for the last one of them, I'm in Hungary. Then I've got a week off, and then I go to Imola. So there's plenty, plenty to keep me busy in the uh, the weekend. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to come and talk to us. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure, boys. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, and yeah, cheers for coming on. Not a problem at all. Thank you.